Deshaun Tate back with you. Tate's Take, the podcast, episode number 29, I believe it is. Yeah, we've been ramping it up pretty good. Talking basketball, of course, as you guys already know, this 94 feet long, 50 feet wide, 22 feet and one and one quarter inches out on the perimeter for college, but 23 feet and three quarter inches out on the perimeter on the NBA level. And if that rim is 10 feet tall, then you already know where to find the best, the most entertaining, the most informational and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. No other place than what you're listening to right now. Tate's take the podcast on IG as well as on Twitter, all social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. Now, I teased a little bit, told some people that, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a really, really awesome and outstanding guest on today. Um, a good, good, good friend of mine, at least for the last close to 700 and something days anyways. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to bringing him on. But before I do that, I also want to make sure that I let you guys know where you can also find the podcast. Um, that would be no other place than where you find any of your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Google podcast, the whole nine, just type in Tate's take on the search box and that little magnifying glass Hover over that and just put in Tate's Take. Also, subscribe on the YouTube page at Tate's Take. Without further ado, I want to bring my boy up in here, man, Porter Larson, who has done a phenomenal job out there in Salt Lake City and overly grateful and thankful for having the opportunity to bring him in. Um, Porter actually is the Utah Jazz uh, insider via ESPN 700 radio. You can find him on social media at Larson underscore ESPN on Twitter. Now, as far as the IG or the gram or the Instagram, or whatever the cool kids are calling it nowadays, you can find him at Porter Larson at P-O-R-T-E-R-L-A-R-S-E-N trying to do a good job on my spelling bee challenge. How you doing, P? Doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen you. So it's good to good to see your face. Appreciate it, man. And for those who don't know, before we start talking about some Utah jazz, for those of you who do not know, I had the opportunity to, of all places, yes, me going out to Utah, one of the places that uh, I never really envisioned going to before and never, never really uh, had high aspirations to go to. But I was there and happy I did because that's where I had the opportunity to bump into Porter. We're sitting down there um, courtside for a summer league game a couple years ago. And matter of fact, that was during the time I think that Grayson Allen was making his introduction for his rookie year. Trey, uh, Trey, jo- Trey Jones, blah, blah, blah. Trey Young yep. uh, was making his introduction and, and everything like that, man. So we had a really good time and I'm glad that I had a chance to chop it up with you too. Now, as far as these NBA playoffs go, we saw that uh, for game one, 135, 125 uh, for the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, Utah took an unfortunate L to the Denver Nuggets. Now Denver leads one to zero. Now, one thing that everybody's going to talk about, I want to get this out of the way now. Donovan Mitchell, 57 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Speaking of the number 57, shot 57% from the field, 40% from three, and a 100% from the free throw line, joining Michael Jordan and Elgin Baylor for third most points ever scored in playoff history Talk a little bit to me about um, 
you know, what Donovan has meant for this team. And it's just clearly he's been the one that's been carrying this team on, on his back. Um, what the buzz is around Utah for right now, even though we're seeing the great performance by him, but still ended up taking an L on the back end. Yeah. I mean, Donovan can only do so much, right. And, uh, 57 points on, on as you mentioned, uh, an efficient clip, 19 of 33 from the field. He, he's a guy who usually a lot, of, a lot of folks, they harp on his inefficiency because he is, he is a volume scorer. But, but when you go up and put up 57 points on that kind of, on that kind of shooting clip, you know you're doing something right. Um, but, but the Jazz really are, are, are struggling without the spacing of Bojan Bogdanovic, without the, without the leadership of Mike Conley because there's – there's really nowhere else to turn. They're they're playing their their nine, ten, eleven rotation guys coming off the bench or starting. Juwan Morgan started yesterday, and, and so they're they're really struggling with depth right now. And uh, and Donovan's trying to and, and I guess having to carry a heavy load, uh, but you can't expect that night in and night out. As good as Donovan is, and as good as he was last night. That's not going to happen four or five times in a series. That's got to that's got to be the one you capitalize on, and that's why I think the Jazz are in a tough spot right now. Because uh, when, when your star player goes to fifty-seven, you got to get a W that night. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, I'm just a couple little audio issues, and I'm just trying to work them out here. So pardon me while I try and put some things together here. Um, uh, the Utah Jazz. Th this was one of my biggest concerns. Some things that they couldn't really afford. Uh, or couldn't really afford uh, starting three non-offensive threats in the rotation. I think that that kind of hurting them down the stretch or will hurt them down the stretch. They already don't have uh, Mike Conley Jr. with all that money that he's getting paid. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have uh, uh, Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdanovich either. Um, Juwan Morgan gets the start. That's his first start. You got Royce O'Neal. Uh, they both combined for two for 11 from the field and two for seven from three combining for six points apiece. I'm not really sure the direction or, or, or I, I can imagine that, uh, that, 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 that coach Quinn is going to uh, coach Quinn Snyder is going to kind of uh, make his money on this one. Cause he's got to make some kind of adjustments. They don't really have a really deep bench. I think that they kind of are struggling from that standpoint, at least on the offensive end anyways, uh, how big of a concern is is that to you that there is a little bit of lack of scoring, not only on the bench, but now without having uh, Bogdanovich or, or Michael uh, Mike Conley Jr., which direction do you imagine that he goes or what's the best direction that you think that he should go in terms of making the proper adjustments to come away with adding a number to the left side of the result column for, for game two? Yeah, well, the good part is, and the good news for the Jazz fans, is that uh, Mike Conley returned to the bubble this morning. So they're expecting him and hoping for him in game three. So there's still one more game where they got to figure some things out uh, on, on that side. Uh, so, so Donovan's going to have some, some, some hefty expectations in the backcourt. Uh, but going forward, you just need more out of your debt pieces. I mean, you can't sign any free agents right now. You can't make any trades. So you have to work with what you have, and that's what Quinn Snyder's trying to do. He he sees his benches as Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, Tony Bradley, and, and Emmanuel Moutier. And and honestly, if if you're if you're competing in the playoffs, that's that's a bench who's probably not going to get it done unless they're playing kind of outside themselves. Jordan Clarkson's a guy who 
He adds a lot offensively, 8 of 17 yesterday for 18 points, but he gives up just as much as he scores on the other end, right? And and, and guys like George Niang are just too inconsistent right now. Royce O'Neal, in the absence of Bojan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal has to be a scoring threat. He has to be able to knock down those corner threes, as does George Niang. So they're not doing that right now. At the end of the day, Quinn can only draw up so much. The Jazz are still getting all these open looks. They're still generating the most open looks from downtown in the league, but they're not converting. They're not shooting as, as well. Sure. They, they were the they were the one or two best uh, three-point shooting team during the regular season, and now the wheels have fallen off, and I think a lot of that does have to do with the, the absence of Bojan. I mean, he, he doesn't just add 22 points per game. Mm-hmm. He also adds – the spacing that allows Donovan Mitchell to slash. He allows the spacing that that gets Joe Ingles open looks and, and gets Rudy Gobert those those lanes to roll to the rim. So so Bojan's absence is being felt in in a lot of ways far beyond just his 20 points per game. Yeah, I was going to say he's got a little international toughness to him too a little bit if you kind of overlook yep. that. Uh, you, you definitely don't want to be that person that's going to be trending for all the wrong reasons trying to go out there <laughs> and defend him or punk him to an extent. And that was going to be my next question is who's the next man up? You know, with Donovan Mitchell in the situation where uh, they need a basket and he's out of position and can't really, uh, you know, come to get the ball on an out-of-bounds play or something similar like that. Who is that player, you know, in the event that maybe not even that situation, maybe he's just having a bad outing because that happens to us all right. Sometimes we're not all 100 percent or in the best positions to where we could put the ball in the goal Um, with that. You know, who is that next man up in terms of if they're need for a uh, need for a scoring a a second scoring option? Well, it's got to be Mike Conley. So obviously in game two, they're going to have some struggles because you look down and and the next guy's Joe Ingles. And Joe, Joe has his moments. Joe has his spurts. Uh, yesterday, he was he was six of fourteen for nineteen points. Uh, he he, I mean, he shot twelve three pointers. He was he was firing. He was being aggressive, and that's exactly what he needs to be in the absence of Conley and Bojan. But at the same time, he played forty three minutes last night. That's the most he's played all season long, and he can only do that, you know, here and there, right? Joe Ingles is not a guy who can who can give you that kind of performance and those kind of minutes on a regular basis. So right now the Jazz are, man, they're they're treading water. They they need to to find someone else to to step up into that role. Like I said, I think it's got to be by committee. Royce O'Neal's got to be able to knock down those shots in the corner when he gets them. He's got to be able to to create a little bit. George Niang the same way. George shot forty two percent from three during the season, and in the bubble he's shooting like twelve percent. That's mm-hmm. not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It's got to be by committee. Jordan Clarkson's going to come in and get his 14, 15 points, uh, but he's also going to give up 15, 16 points. So it, it's it's a situation where it can't just be one guy. That's why Donovan Mitchell had to score 57 points and still wasn't able to get it done. It's got to be two, three guys stepping up and 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 creating some sort of offensive threat, or or else Donovan's just going to be forced to kind of force the force the action. And when he does that. Yesterday it worked out, but usually that that turns in turns him into more of an inefficient scorer and, and kind of a, a chucker, which the Jazz do not want. That that puts them completely out of their offense. Now I'm glad that you mentioned those two guys because they are 
They are two of my favorite role players. Of course, I have a whole laundry list or a whole grocery list of favorite role players because I love the role players. Everybody loves the, the all-stars and the superstars and so forth, but I like some of those guys that kind of fly under the radar to an extent, and those are two of my favorite. Joe Ingles, who has – he plays very passionate. He plays with a very, very uh, – uh, very passionate about the game and very fearless. And I think we were even talking about – you know, we're talking about uh, uh, Bogdanovich you know, that, that international toughness. Ingles got a right. little bit of that to himself, too. He's not going to be backing down to guys. Like you said, 19.6 for 14 from the field, 5 for 12 from three, five rebounds and six assists for him. And then another one, like you said, Jordan Clarkson, who plays with a chip on his shoulder. Is he the guy that can fill the cup up like a um, like a Jamal Crawford? Nah, probably not. But like a baby version or a poor version where, like you said, you know what you're going to get on the offensive end out of him. 15 points a game coming off the bench for a guy who's not even remotely close to a superstar, but not remotely close to a scrub or anything like that either. 18 points for him, eight for 17 from the field, two for nine from three, which he could do a little bit better percentage wise from from the three point range. But I think that he has the ability to do that. It's not. I like you have to kind of reform his jump shot or do anything crazy like that. They combined for 37 points, 14 for 31 from the field. And only, while only 33% from three, um, that is, is, is a number that while it's not eye popping or it's not fascinating, it's also a number that could be much worse when you're talking about two guys combining from three. Is that the kind of performance from both of those guys that you think that we can come to expect whether that be in game two on Wednesday or whether that be over the duration of the series. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you hit it there. you you, you know what to get. You're going to get from Jordan Clarkson. You're going to get a guy who's, who's going to come in and probably play 30, 30 ish minutes, 25 to 30 minutes. Now when Conley comes back, you'd like to see that probably dip down to 2025. Uh, but he's going to come in and play 30 minutes and he's going to put up, 20 shots. I mean, he, he, that's, that's what Jordan Clarkson's game is. He's, mm. he's there to, to put some pressure on the defense while Donovan maybe sits or while the jazz are, are struggling offensively, because right now they, they really do have those dry spells well, that, where they'll go six, seven minutes and, and, and barely put any points on the board. So Jordan comes in and, and he does that. Uh, but on the flip side, like I mentioned, he also he struggles guarding guarding on the perimeter in this league. He's he's you know he's got the the intangibles and the ability I think to be a better defender. He's just gotta he's just gotta show it. And then uh, Joe Ingles on the same note, you're going to get a guy who who has a great feel for the game, man. He he can come in and run run the pick and roll. He can come in and and, and just be a spot up shooter. He can really do anything in that offense that you ask him to do, but I think that the Jazz, without Bojan Bogdanovich and without Mike Conley, just almost need and expect too much from him, right? Because they have nowhere else to turn. You you don't want Joe Ingles to be your second option. You want him to be your third and fourth option, and, he, and that he's great at that. But when he's playing 40-plus minutes a game like he did the other night, like he did yesterday – uh, I, I think you're going to see some 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 wear down as the series goes along, and you saw it in the playoffs uh, over the last couple of years in the, in the same way. He's he's great for these stretches and great for these spurts where he can come in and and create, get some get some pick and roll action going while Donovan or Mike Conley get some rest. He's great with the second team, but that's where you want him. You don't want him mm -hmm. to be out there 
yep. trying to be your yep. second option and, and needing him to score 25 points a game because that's just not his game. So, so the Jazz are, I, I think in game two, you're going to see similar to what we saw in game one. Donovan Mitchell is going to have to force the issue a little bit. Jordan Clarkson is going to come in and fire away. And Joe Ingles has to be aggressive. Um, you'd like to see more from Royce O'Neal and, and George Niang and Tony Bradley, those other guys who are getting minutes. Uh, but uh, I think in game two, they're really going to have to kind of force the issue again because they don't have many options to turn to. And then uh, once you get Mike Conley back in game three, hopefully – uh, I think you can kind of settle back in and, and get back to what you're used to. We saw Don Mitchell cooking last night, obviously. We also seen, seen the same thing out of Jamal Murray, especially late down the stretch in the game. And hopefully a situation where those guys cancel each other out because uh, in that case, Utah would probably be in a little trouble. Again, hopefully that's not the case. In the locker room right now here on Tate's Take, the podcast, Porter Larson, Utah Jazz Insider via ESPN 700 Radio. Um, looking at the some of the numbers according to today's game, Utah shoots 47% from the field. While that's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, Denver shot it a little bit better at 51%. Uh, Denver obviously did a much better job shooting from the perimeter at 53%, where Utah shot uh, 34%. One of the bigger keys was the offensive rebounding and rebounding in general. Uh, Denver out-rebounded Utah uh, on the offensive end by double, 16-8 to eight and 52-41 to 41, um, uh, uh, in, in total rebounds in general. And then you start looking at the bench, 26 to, 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 to 38, which is a 12-point margin there. I can only imagine that there's got to be some sort of concern, especially in regards to rebounding. Like you said, some of the bigs coming off the bench, Tony Bradley, obviously being one of them, but I want to talk about on the perimeter here for a second, because I don't know how much truth there is, but I got to be the person to ask you because I heard it just a little bit, but I was like, I need to confirm this. I, and, and, and maybe this is something you don't know. Maybe it's something that, you know, maybe you can't confirm, but I'm curious to know if you heard the same thing. Have you heard anything about Tory Craig being considered to be the Mitchell stopper? <laughs> so I don't know if this is where it started, but uh, Tory is a good defender. I mean, he's a good perimeter defender, but mm -hmm. we also saw what happened yesterday, right? Yes. Uh, on my show, actually, on the on the drive on ESPN 700, our buddy Tony Jones with the Athletics said that he was the best perimeter defender for Donovan Mitchell in the league, and we could go back and forth on that. I think you could probably put Marcus Smart on him. You could probably put Kawhi Leonard on him. Whoever it may be, uh, probably going to be a better option there. But but Torrey Craig's a, a phenomenal defender. That's why he's in the league. That's why he's uh, getting rotation minutes. For, for the Nuggets. He can spot up and shoot the threes. He's that kind of prototypical three and D guy right now. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I've heard a little bit of that. I think it may have started actually on our show. Uh, so it's funny you bring that up. But uh, he wasn't the he wasn't the Mitchell stopper last night. And uh, Donovan, Donovan in, in the playoffs, I think, has a little different feel to him, a little different uh, push. And right now he's showing it, man. I'm excited to see what uh, what happens in game two because I think he's going to have to to kind of force the issue, and and Torrey Craig's going to be going to be defending him quite a bit too. Yeah, because like I said, one of the questions that I had was, what in the world does the Utah Jazz have to do to even this series besides find a way to sneak into um, 
uh, to 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 sneak into Jamal Murray's hotel room, sort of way, maybe crank the AC all the way up and hope that it probably like cools him down a little bit. Um, and, and, and that's going to be something I think is, is, is obviously going to be tough because it's not just about Jamal Murray, but just this team in general where you have a guy like Jokic who can stretch the defense from um, from the perimeter as well uh, and show some of his international game and showcase some of his uh, some of his range on his uh, jump shooting ability. But uh, one of the things that you were talking about before, like free agents and so forth, and obviously the lottery is going to be coming around really soon. And then, you know, obviously we don't know exactly where the Jazz are going to be drafting at. But sitting here looking at this team, knowing the guys that are coming in and going out, and we'll get to the Utah Utes here in, in just a second real briefly, but what type of player in the draft whether you know a player by name or not uh, uh, from the college basketball that you've watched of guys that are going in this year, uh, but even more so, what type of player do you think that Utah is missing and that they desperately need in the draft that should be coming up sometime soon? Yeah, a couple things that they really need to address. And one of those, I think, is the the backup front court edition, right? Um, they they made the move to, to get Bojan Bogdanovic in, in – in doing that, they had to let go of Derek Favors. Uh, and I think that, you know, you, you you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Because Derek came mm-hmm. in and and he was able to kind of not really have much of a let off after Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. sits, right? You, you have the defensive player of the year sit down and, and Derek Favors comes in and the, the defensive production, the defensive efficiency for the Jazz only dropped off incrementally when Derek Favors came in. So uh, sure. since then – you bring in Tony Bradley. You bring in Juwan Morgan. Quinn Snyder's trying to, to figure some things out there, but it just hasn't worked defensively. This is the second unit, and the second unit in the front court especially has been abysmal defensively. So I think uh, you have to address that. And Derek Favors is a free agent. If the market's low enough, I, I would I would see the Jazz going after him. I think that a reunion is, is very, very possible between those two. Uh, depending on how the the free agent market looks this summer, I think it's going to be kind of a weird a weird off season in that in that regard. Uh, the other spot they needed to have, man, and, and we've talked about it a lot with Donovan having to force too much and Joe Ingles having to be too much of a a creator. They need a a, a wing who's a threat and a wing who can defend as well. A guy who they can stick on uh, a Kawhi Leonard, a guy who they can stick on a Paul George or or a James Harden and, and have him defend that guy and then also come down and be a threat defensively. They want Royce O'Neal to be that guy, and and he shows flashes of that. But I think they just need a little more depth at that position, whether it's – a you know, and you look at the Nuggets, who are a perfect example of that. They've got like six of those guys. So the Jazz are are, are, are hoping that, that they pick up a, a Torrey Craig or, a you know, even a, a Jeremy Grant who can who can fill that kind of perimeter defender but also the front court role. And uh, I, I think that's that's the direction they'll go. They'll they'll need a, and whether it's through the draft, I think they'll they'll keep their pick and they'll they'll probably draft a three and D guy and then uh, try and pick up a an Ed Davis, Derek Favors type in free agency. Obviously not Ed Davis. He's here in Utah and that hasn't worked out. But one of the, one of those type guys who can come in and, and be a uh, a reliever, if you will, for for Rudy Gobert. Uh. Kind of going a little bit more, turning towards uh, the college basketball landscape, and this is going to be my last couple questions for you here. Um, Utah had a year this year that was kind of up and down. It was a little bit weird. 
they had put together some really good games, and there were some games that were necessarily not so outstanding. Uh, obviously, the one that probably sticks out more than any of the others is the big-time win in, I think, Las Vegas over Kentucky, I want to say it was. Yeah, in, in um, finishing 16 and 15 uh, in in um, uh, overall and then going 7 and 11 within the conference. So obviously didn't do as great as they would have liked to, but there's two really big names that had some decisions to make over the course of the offseason, one of them being Booth Gotch, uh, who – ultimately transferred back to where he comes from in Minnesota, uh, now becoming a golden gopher. And then Timmy Allen, who made the big decision to uh, return back to Utah and Salt Lake City. Talk about the departure of, of, of Booth a little bit. And then the return of Timmy Allen, who seemed like he was Mr. Do everything for this team, because this dude can score. If you don't watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball, and I get it, there's some people who, you know, especially living over here, I'm in Atlanta on the East Coast, and a lot of people are like, ah, around that time, Pac-12 basketball, if it's not this team, you know, if it's not maybe UCLA or, or, or you know, Oregon or uh, somebody like that, you know, Arizona, a lot of people aren't staying up all that late to watch, let alone Utah. Uh, right. How can you fill the people in in regards to what, uh, those decisions came down from between both of those guys, one coming back and, and, and the other uh, deciding to depart and transfer. Yeah, with Booth Gotch, um, he's a guy who he was so up and down at his time with Utah. We saw, as you mentioned, that game against Kentucky. He was mm -hmm. an all-star, right? Yeah, he, he was. Scored, <laughs> he scored at will against some of the best teams in the country. And and, and then sometimes he, he'd fade into the, into the foreground during games against smaller opponents and and it was weird to watch him kind of ride this roller coaster and be in, so inconsistent because man he's six seven a six seven point guard who is a a great defender who can shoot the rock from deep who can who can create a little bit too he i mean he's everything you want in a modern day point guard he really is sure. but but he just was so inconsistent and i don't know exactly if it was off the court issues i don't know exactly what it was uh, I know he's dealing with some stuff at home, and I, I don't know if that affected it, but he's going home, right? So, so hopefully, hopefully for Booth, that's that's the right decision, and hopefully he can kind of uh, come to his own and, and and find his his true potential because I think he's a he's a legitimate NBA prospect, but you have to be a legitimate NBA prospect night in and night out. You can't do it one night and then just disappear the next three nights, right? And that's kind of what Booth did throughout his two years in Utah. Um, but like I said, I think he's he's got some major potential, some real NBA potential. I'm looking forward to to seeing what he does back at, back home in Minnesota and with the Golden Gophers. Uh, and then with Timmy Allen, Timmy, as you mentioned, is the do it all guy for the Utes. He scores, he rebounds, he passes, he he defends, uh, he does it all for them. And uh, you're going to continue to see that because now he's a, he's a veteran leader, only a junior, but on this team veteran leader because everyone else is freshmen and sophomores last year this was one of the youngest teams in college basketball like one of the top two or three youngest teams in college basketball and that can that can kind of uh, allude to the point of why they were so inconsistent and rode that roller coaster right uh timmy was kind of their their leader in the clubhouse and 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 their vocal leader as well he's going to continue to do that and uh he did test the waters for the NBA draft, got some feedback from agents, but with all the uncertainty, man, with with the season coming up and with with all the COVID stuff, 
he just wanted to to get back into into a good situation, a familiar situation where he could work on his game. He could he could improve a little bit more. He's got he's got to figure out his jump shot a little bit before he can probably get to that next level, the the pro level. Uh, but everything else is there. He's got the pro body. He's got uh, he's got the the playmaking, the the defense, and uh, mm-hmm. the ability is there. He's just he's just got to refine a few things in his game, and and I think he's he's coming back to do that. I'm not sure if this will be his his last year here because he already did test the waters as as a sophomore. So mm-hmm. coming back as a junior, he's he's the veteran leader for this club, and uh, he's got to be because he's got a, a bunch of freshmen and sophomores coming up behind him that, that he's got to kind of pull along. I'm curious to know exactly who are those freshmen? What does that incoming class look like? What will be the expectation for the Utes in basketball this year? So coming into last month, they were the they were a top ten recruiting class in the country. Uh, they had uh, they had commits from from guys like uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He just transferred actually to BYU. Uh, Caleb Lohner from from Wasatch Academy. Wasatch Academy out here is a is a, is a nationally recognized absolutely program. very elite program. Uh, a team that I played against. Uh, my buddy Co- Kobe McEwen played there, and and we had oh, some yeah. battles. He's now at Marquette, but played some played some yep. time at Utah State. Uh, so so Wasatch Academy is is kind of a a, a factory for for Division One players. Sure. Caleb Caleb committed here and then transferred to BYU before he ever stepped foot on campus. So. Uh, a, a little disappointing for for a lot of the folks here in Salt Lake for that, but he's not the only guy they have. They have Ian Martinez uh, out of out of Costa Rica and in California, who out of Jay Sarah, who this guy is probably the most athletic kid I've ever seen, uh, wow. at least in, in in Utah commitment terms. He okay. he's six three point guard, but he'll throw down windmill between the legs three sixty dunks. Okay. In his flip flops, man. He's he's wow. he's a genuinely <laughs> genuinely special athlete who uh, they're really excited about. Another guy is Pelle Larsson uh, from from Sweden. So he's uh, he's pretty awesome. La- pretty awesome last name. I, I like to think right. Spelled differently. <laughs> he's got the Swedish the the double S O N on there. But uh, he's uh, he's a uh, a product of Hanno Matala, uh, a former Ute and a former pro who who's kind of the the, I guess the Nordic basketball uh, liaison to to U- sure. Utah now because they got Pele Larson. They had Mikhail Jantunin last year who who was a, a really good fill in for them as a freshman. He's he's got a a, a good good uh, future as well. Um, and then the the sophomores that you have, Rylan Jones, who started as a as a point guard last year. Uh, he's a small kid, but he 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 came into his own and, and showed that he's got some real potential. Um, they've got uh, a few transfers as well. Alfonso Plummer will be a senior, but he's okay. only been here for one year. He's the guy who you saw last year, uh, that final game of the season, made 12 threes uh, to try and keep Utah afloat in that in that, uh, in that that final game of the Pac-12 tournament before everything got shut down. Um, and so they, they have some young talent, man. They really do have a lot of, a lot of really good young pieces. It's just about trying to put it together a little better than they were able to last year because – you can only ride that roller coaster for so long. I tell people all the time, dude, I said, listen, Utah may not necessarily be one of those, you know, elite basketball programs, especially as they were when they had Keith Van Horn and some other guys, Andre Miller, which I'm kind of curious to know what he's what those guys are doing nowadays. But outside of that, they're also not a team that you want to overlook. They're very well coached, especially with Coach K and 
no, not that Coach K, but the other Coach K, um, but who always does a really good job at, at, at bringing these guys along and 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 always, you know, that that always is, is an institution that you can never really uh, overlook, especially playing uh, at home where they typically always are phenomenal. And I heard you mention Wasatch Academy, and I promise I'm not going to be the homer guy. You know, I'm a Spartan. That's just the way that I get down. That's just what I do. Um, and I'm not going to turn into a Michigan State show, but I do want to ask you about Maddie Sissoko for the people who I know are watching and are listening um, in my neck of the woods in Michigan. What type of player can you expect the, the, the people in Michigan, Spartan fans? Uh, what kind of player can they expect from Maddie Sissoko? Because I can imagine from everything I've been seeing, which granted, I don't put a lot of stock into just, you know, a lot of highlight films and different things right. like that. I like to see players in person. I would imagine that you had the opportunity to see him. How does he fit in this Tom Izzo system, which it appears to be what he likes? It seems like he's a physical guy, like he's big, like he's got some strength and got a little muscle to him. What kind of player are they getting? What are some of the, the things that you think that he does very well? Yeah, he, he, you mentioned it there. He, he fits into the, the Izzo mold, right? 6'8", 225 pounds, and, and probably still growing. Uh, number 48 overall prospect in the, in the 2020 class. So uh, you, you get a good, uh, solid, already kind of ready uh, a player in, in Matty Sissoko. Um, and, and he – I've got I've to see him a little bit, right? And, and it's hard because Utah – when you're when you're facing some of the schools here, a, a lot of guys look like all stars, right? Yeah, and yeah, and and yeah. coming out of Wasatch Academy, um, he he's been able to in the last couple of years uh, go out and play some of the best teams in the country. I mean, they mm -hmm. travel a lot and they go out and compete with the best. And he he has no let up, man. He he goes out there and and you mentioned he's a he's a big physical forward. Uh, but he can do all the little things too. He can he can pass out of the block really well. He's got really good footwork. That's one of the thing out of Wasatch Academy that that I've noticed. They coach the little things, man. And his footwork in the low post is phenomenal. He's able to look off and and, and pass out of the low post. And and he's also able to shoot it a little bit. It's it's not quite there yet. Uh, but he's one of those guys that I think could turn into a a a score at every level and then defensively he's just phenomenal i mean he's a big strong dude who's athletic and can protect the rim and i think can can guard from the three to the five position and, and depending on on the lineup that he sees facing him so uh i haven't seen a whole lot of maddie sissoko but the little bits i've seen make me pretty optimistic for him if you're a sparty fan Porter Larson, Utah Jazz Insider, and I forgot to mention some way, somehow, I believe. Is it pre-half and post for uh for Utah Utes athletics? Uh yeah. So I actually do for, for Utah football most of the time. Oh, football. And, okay. and and kind of uh that's that's my bread and butter, but I'm around the the during the offseason of, of football, which is plenty long, man. I'm all around the the gyms at the at the Vivint Smart Home Arena with the Jazz and up at the Huntsman Center with the Utes. So uh, plenty of hoops talk as well. Utah Jazz Insider from ESPN 700 Radio. Um, Porter Larson at Larson underscore ESPN on Twitter and at Porter Larson on IG. Dude, thank you so much for coming on with me and I hope I didn't take up too much of your time, but no I want to inform the people of what's going on around the, uh, around the uh, SLC and, 
and um and looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to do this again and i gotta come back out to utah i told Kofi, i said listen i never thought that utah would be one of those places where i was like you know uh, you know i, I was really excited to, to to go or to go back obviously if basketball is being played i'll go anywhere if they're playing basketball on the moon dude give me the astronaut <laughs> helmet the astronaut suit with the little globe helmet and everything else sign me up dude we're going to the moon so get my credentials ready but uh, I had a blast, man, and, and had an awesome time and, and glad that I had the opportunity to uh, meet you out there. We had a chance to kind of kick it around a little bit and have stayed in touch quite a bit ever since then. So I really want to let you know how grateful and thankful, overly appreciative that I am that you had a chance to join the show today. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. And yeah, we'll we'll get you out to Utah sometime when uh, 2020 hopefully gets a little less crazy. And uh, you you got to see the rest of the state, man. It, it's You only, you only got to... <laughs> Yeah, got to see the the inside of the gyms and whatnot. So, uh, some some plenty more to plenty more to see. And I appreciate you having me, man. Stay well. Absolutely, looking forward to a Porter Larson again, Utah Jazz insider from ESPN Seven Hundred Radio. Um, so hearing all all of the information that he provided for us, I, I it was it was it was interesting, and I think it's even more interesting now that we know you heard it here first that Michael Conley Jr. is going to be returning. Maybe not necessarily for game two, but certainly for game three. Uh, so we can expect that and all of the things that has to happen for game two uh, in order to come away with a victory against the Denver Nuggets, despite how difficult that may actually be. So no travel exhaustion and no fatigue. Uh, everybody's staying right within the bubble. I think it's going to make for some very intriguing basketball, very entertaining basketball anyways. Um, that we can see and kind of going to give a little bit of that March Madness feel. And I'm curious to know from some of you guys, feel free to hit me on the social media tip at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, because uh, to let me know what kind of a job you think that the NBA has done so far uh, in regards to, um, you know, what they've put together with, you know, the, 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 the cr- pumping in the crowd noise and, uh, even more so being able to, um, you know, put the uh, what do you call it? The visual, the, the the virtual, the virtual fans up there. And I thought that, you know, that that was just kind of it's 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 an it's an interesting thing to say the least. It's, it's definitely an interesting thing. And so I'm happy that uh, we had the opportunity uh, to kind of see basketball come back around in general. I thought that that was very awesome. And I, I promise to let the people know in conclusion now before I get up out of here that we have something that's really, really awesome that we're going to be launching going going forward. And it starts tonight. This will start tonight after each of the uh, tail end of games that will take place uh, for the NBA playoffs. Uh, the final buzzer with Deshaun Tate. So either 15 minutes after the final buzzer or and or at midnight, whichever comes first, uh, we will do about a 10, 15 minute recap on the games of the day that we had the opportunity to see. So uh, just a little something to kind of keep you guys informed on exactly what's going on around the NBA for that particular night. If you're up late and I understand, I, I get it. Everybody's going to be up late. Everybody's going to be watching these games. I, I, I put this thing together for those of you who may have had to help the kids with their, you know, uh, schoolwork and staying up late doing the homework thing and virtual learning and all that good stuff. And got to get the kids in the bath and get them put to bed and cook the dinner and everything else. 
after it's all said and done and you finally get to sit your hiney down on that sofa for a little bit, that's where you can tune in again, either 15 minutes after the last game and or um, uh, at midnight is when we will be airing whichever one of those two come first to be able to just get your fix in. We'll be accepting people who want to come in with some comments and and questions and suggestions and the whole nine of what you've seen uh, in basketball on that particular day. So make sure that you kind of circle that on your calendar, put it on your calendar, highlight it, do whatever it is that you need to do and make sure, as you know, I tell you over and over and over to make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That is the key word. Tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your aunties, tell, you know, your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell everybody where they can find the most uh, entertaining, the most informational and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. You can find that no other place than right here on Tate's Take where basketball lives. Uh, so if you got the iPhone uh, and you don't have the Android, you can feel free to subscribe on iTunes. If you got the Android, you don't have the iPhone, you can subscribe on uh, on Stitcher as well as Google Podcast, Spotify also is another option. So I have plenty of options out there for you guys to make sure that you uh, uh, go ahead and subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. Tate's Take, T-A-T-E apostrophe S, T-A-K-E. I'm thankful and grateful for each of you that had the opportunity to listen to us live and or some of you that may be going back and listening to us uh, at a later date. So thank you for that. And we'll uh, hopefully you keep your eyes and your ears open for the next particular um, podcast that I'm going to be putting out this week and make sure that you spread the word about the final, bu- the final buzzer with Deshaun Tank. Appreciate everybody for checking me out and uh, looking forward to the next time.